Welcome to Invitations to Play, Learn, Grow, the podcast. I am your creative solutions creator and professional mess maker. And I want to welcome everyone to the month of June and the season of summer. Let the fun begin. It is officially June. It is the start of summer where the weather gets hot. The sun is supposed to stay out longer. Our seasons change. And so does the world around us. And that's what I want to talk about this week. I want to talk about transitions. Excuse me. Going from season to season is a transition. There are things that need to be done, tasks that need to be completed before you can move from one season to another. And when We make these transitions. They're not always an easy, effortless experience. People experience different things and nature experiences different things. In the the spring, everything is deep and warming up from the long, cold winters. And the plants begin to emerge out of the ground. And animals begin to become active again. And life starts over in the spring. And so as we move from the spring where we're cleaning things up and we're preparing things to thrive again and to grow again and to live again. The summer offers us an environment to thrive, to grow, to produce. And With all of this comes loads of learning and skill building opportunities. In the spring and early summer, you start to see insects emerging again, whether it's caterpillars or bees or butterflies. Butterflies go through a transitional stage. They go through certain developmental stages in the spring and go all the way through to the summer where we find butterflies flying around fully developed in our gardens and feeding on our flowers and all of these things. In the spring going into the summer, 
we see bees going through similar experiences where bees are not as common in some places, depending on where you're listening to this from, in the spring as they are in the summer. I myself had an experience the other day. I was out in the yard doing some cleanup and realized that what I automatically think of when I think of bees are the big, round, puffy bumblebees. But the other day, I saw a honeybee. And this inspired me to encourage and engage people in conversations around different species of bees. And the process of bees building a hive and what goes on within the hive and what a hive needs to be sustained and when a hive is active and when a hive is not and why that transition happens. Most people, however, don't think of transitions as growth, as developmental changes. We think of transitions as going from one activity to the next. And so I want to dive a little bit deeper into transitions and the ways that transitions can be helpful. I used the word developmental just now. And we have lived through a very interesting time period in recent months. And not so recent months. It's been quite a long time. But we are transitioning out of that confining experience into a sense of familiarity, a sense of doing things in ways that are familiar again. But we're not just rushing right back into these things. We are transitioning, essentially taking little steps to get from where we were to where we want to be. And I want to encourage you to engage in transitions. Use transitions as a system to create normalcy and expectancy of what comes next or what is going to happen next. One of the ways that you can create transitions is by building calendars or schedules. You can build verbal calendars and schedules where you label activities with words and times. Or you can build visual calendars and schedules. You can create transitions 
with activities before we can go from activity A to activity B, we have to go through certain steps. We have to clean up our mess. We have to gather our materials for the next activity. Whatever pieces you need to make the transition successful that you are looking to build. An example could be mealtime. How do you transition from mealtime? We often call these transitions routines, but the word transitions is more relatable to different learning and life experiences. And that's what I wanted to bring together under one topic. Um, But so transitioning from mealtime to preparation for bedtime or bath time and actual bedtime practices preparing to actually go to sleep. How do you make those transitions? Those are oftentimes very difficult transitions for kids to make. They have been going, going, going all day long and they don't wind down automatically like perhaps some of us who are older might do as we go through our daily activities. Kids get more wound up as they go through daily experiences where those of us who are older tend to, I almost want to say, run out of gas as the day goes on. We get more and more worn down as we go through the daily daily experiences. And so kids of a wide range of ages might need a transition from thing to thing to thing in getting ready for bed. And again, you can use schedules. You can use visual prompts to guide kids through each activity that needs to get done so that they are self-reliant and they're using cues to know that they've done the things necessary to move from the point where they are to the point where they need to be. Mealtime is another time of transition. Mealtime is often a break. It might be a break from learning or a break from play. And so kids might be resistant to stop their play, to come and sit to eat. So you might find it supportive and helpful to build a transition 
to build a transition experience where perhaps 20 minutes before they're expected to move from an independent activity to an activity like a meal, they're given cues. In five minutes, it's going to be time to start to clean up. So we're going to set a timer that you can hear or see tick down. And the closer it gets to going off, you are going to want to start to put your things away. Or you could even make it a challenge where they're given certain prompts at certain times before they're expected to make a transition to do a specific step. So for instance, if they have blocks out and they're all over the floor or cars out or blocks and cars out, you might want to encourage them first to start thinking about sorting the toys out, separating the toy, the cars from the blocks and giving them some fun prompts to do that. Put all of the green cars in a pile, all of the red cars in a pile, all of the blue cars in a pile. Find all of the triangle blocks and put them in a pile. Find all of the rectangle blocks and put them in a pile. Find all of the perfect square blocks and put them in a pile. Okay, now that you've got piles made up, we have X amount of time before we need to go to dinner or to lunch. How fast can you get these blocks put away? How many of the square blocks can you put away at once? Or how many blocks can you fit in perhaps one of the cars that they have out and use the car as a transportation to put the blocks away? These are fun ways to get kids interested and motivated to move from one activity to the next. So in, in that case, it's getting them to clean up a mess that they've made. Now, once you get them to clean up the mess that they've made, and this could be a pre-meal transition, so you get them to put the toys away. You use this method of breaking an overwhelming job of putting the toys away into smaller steps, small challenges, small activities that actually let them still have fun with the thing that they're playing with, but at the same time, the goal is to get it put away. And as part of that transition to the meal space could be, okay, first we have to put the toys away, then we have to go wash our hands, then we have to set the table, and then we can sit down. And again, you can create those charts or the calendars 
to tick off the things as they do them. And you can even engage kids in conversations to get them to critically think about creative ways that they can go about moving through each of these segments to get from where they are to where you want them to be. That is one way of using transitions. One of the ways that you can also use transitions, especially if you are setting up home learning areas, again, is by using a schedule or a calendar that perhaps is color-coded or has stickers on it that represent different activities or different times or both. Transitions, as I said, are things that we think of in very different ways that mean different things based on what we are referring to. But in every instance, a transition is an opportunity to learn. So when you're going through a transition process in terms of the daily to-do list, you're engaging skills that kids probably aren't always aware that they possess. And so you are empowering them to use and build these skills as a result of going through these transition processes and experiences. Another good example of a transition process is not only setting up for a meal, but the wrapping up of a meal. Okay, we've enjoyed our food. We're going to get ready to wind down the rest of our day. And we have to do certain things in a certain order to end our mealtime. That may mean clearing their own spot at the table. That may mean taking out the trash. That may mean helping to put the leftover food away. That may mean doing the dishes or helping to do the dishes or load and unload the dishwasher. Your individual situation is going to be different. But as you set up these transitions, you're also encouraging your kids to be independent. You're showing them and encouraging them and supporting them in being responsible and engaging in activities that they learn 
they can do and become responsible for themselves, which allows them to contribute. If you think of these things in terms of tasks or chores, where you can use incentives as part of your transition processes as well. So, okay, your student or child may want to watch a movie at the end of the day or spend some time on the iPad or play a specific game. One of the ways that you can build and utilize a transition process is to give them tasks to earn specific rewards. This gets them to think about the actions they must take not only to go from point A to point B, but to end one activity and gain a reward or an ac access to an activity that they are looking forward to doing or desire to do. So if First of all, by using this process, what you will see as kids begin to use the process, it encourages the behaviors to become more automatic because they begin to figure out that if they do one task that they see as cumbersome or unpleasant, such as doing the dishes, they earn something that they enjoy and therefore they become more willing to do the work that they otherwise would have resisted. And then you don't need as much of a transition process over time because it will become an automatic way of thinking. They will understand, oh, if I want to do this, I first have to do this, this, and this. By engaging in that way of thinking, you are reinforcing responsibility and independence. And you will notice that you do so by going through these types of processes with very little pushback. Usually there's more pushback in the beginning because it's something new and you're asking them to do things they don't like and so they protest. But as they start to figure out that if I do this, I get this, something clicks and they see that the two work hand in hand and so they become more willing to get the unpleasant thing done so they can get to the thing that they want.
by using transitions, you can also expand your child's attention span because you can tell them and get them to think in terms of time that they're going to get X amount of time to do this activity and in X amount of time after that, they're going to do this. So they become aware of how long they're doing an activity They're learning to expect what comes next and getting a feel for how much time they have to do it in. So I hope that you got a lot out of this week's episode. I hope that I turned the gears a little bit in the way that you think of transitions and engaging summertime learning as we go into a time of the year where we think of more relaxation and more experiences over more stringent, strict learning time or learning experiences, I want you to encourage the idea of getting excited about learning through exploring the environments around you. I talked about the bees earlier. Engaging and exploring and investigating things like insects or trees or animals or plants in a way that allows kids to get hands-on is a great way to spark kids' curiosity while getting them excited to learn new information that will be useful for them throughout their lives. We take for granted the importance of learning the daily tasks that we as adults do every single day. Kids don't automatically understand these things. And a lot of these skill sets are vital for being independent and productive adults. So things like gardening and cooking and learning about nature and the life cycles of animals or habitats of different insects or animals. Thinking again about the bee example, learning about the different species of bees and the inner workings of a beehive and what bees produce, and then exploring what you can do with what bees produce. And I've talked about this in other episodes, but everything from beeswax to bees' honey. What can you turn those items into that come from nature? You can teach kids how to cook, which engages science and math, 
but it also gives them a sense of independence because if they develop a love for cooking, they will feed themselves for the rest of their lives. And if you can instill a passion for cooking in them, then as they grow older, it opens up all kinds of exciting avenues for income and contribution. And these are skills that we often overlook or take for granted because they're not things that we are learning in formal school. We're not learning them from a book. We need to get kids more engaged in learning by doing than learning by absorbing information for the purposes of memorization. So that's what I have for you this week. I also want to encourage you and remind you to join me in the other virtual experiences that I offer that reinforce all of these fun, creative ideas that I talk about in these episodes. So whether you're after opportunities to build skills that your kids might lack, or you're looking for new, exciting, fun ways to get kids engaged in new life experiences and learning through play, I encourage you to join my free weekly meet and greets, which happen on Wednesdays where we get together and we talk about different learning topics and share ways that we can use these topics to support the kids in our lives through their learning and developmental experiences. I will be also offering in the near future live lessons, which will be a paid experience where I will gather a group of people online in real time and I will demonstrate activities that pertain to a specific topic and we will talk about the skills that kids build through doing these activities and the useful information that they can explore through the activities. You can find all of this at thecreativecampusonline.com. I want to thank you for joining me this week. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll have another fun learning and skill building topic to dive into together. Thanks for joining me this week and I'll talk to you next time.